Snezibo, good evening to you. Unjan. I'm good on you, Aya. It's been a young minute. It has. It has indeed. It has indeed. How have you been? No, I've been good. Busy, but good. So, busy yeah. is always good. Busy is always good. Now, uh, one person who uh, similarly has been quite busy, Snesipo, is uh, one Kosana Makate. And, uh, yeah, it seems now that he's not happy with the determination that uh, Vodacom uh, Group CEO Shamil Jusup arrived at. And uh, just maybe uh, give us a bit of the context there and uh, maybe, I guess, uh, get us up to speed to w- with where this particular decade-long uh, battle is. So, as you remember, um, the Constitutional Court uh, ruled in favor of Kosnadi that uh, Vodacom has to compensate him. And they specifically said in the ruling that it will be based on the determination, um, a, a mutually agreeable determination. So, Vodacom entrusted, the board entrusted the CEO to make the determination. And he determined um, just under 50 million, I think it's 47 million that he determined. Um, Gosnat's argument, because remember, he couldn't, he never disclosed this amount. Mm, but Vodacom, mm. through their um, annual financial report and annual financial statements, um, uh, disclosed that they had made an offer and they were just waiting for him to accept. Gosnat, uh, even, um, he has said that he's rejecting the settlement and that he wants a percentage of the, I think the termination of the $10 billion, uh, was based on um, 5% that of revenue that um, Vodacom has earned mm. with the Pink Call Me um, uh, invention. Um, so he's going back to court to argue. Now, he's not arguing whether or not, um, uh, whether or not, he's not arguing whether or not um, that he's entitled your compensation. He's arguing the quantum. So he's arguing that's sort of like the difference now. And remember, when this was, uh, when they started making the rounds, I think we discussed this in your prior life, uh, when they started making the rounds regarding the settlement, mm. um, a lot of news stories came out around the fact that he wasn't the original inventor, etc., etc. You know, this media propaganda machine every now and Fake then. News, just, yeah, you know? yeah. Fake news, yeah. Mm. As you know, as you know, um, so um, all of those have, he has without a doubt disputed all of them. And then I think that's when he released a statement um, which shows that each of these accusations that he was not the original invention were categorically dealt with in each of his court actions over the past 10 years. Mm. So we shall see what happens. But as I've always said, Go explain to all of us about Kulap Lama. The last time I asked that question, so I, I mean, I've, I guess I've decided not to, to, to go that route. But indeed, you are correct. I think uh, whatever amount is arrived at, uh, people must show us what considerations inform that and uh, what computation was used to arrive at that. And I guess uh, if it's ventilated be- before the courts, uh, all of this will be in the public domain. So uh, only time will tell. But Snesibu, I want us to shift our attention now to the construction sector. And uh, it's certainly a sector that has come under a lot of fire recently, a lot of challenges in that particular sector on the back of declines in uh, uh, public investment uh, in infrastructure. And uh, one company that uh, seemed... I guess due to its exposure to uh, some projects in Australia uh, to be weathering the storm somewhat, is uh, WBHO, and they've come out and said uh, they are expecting their earnings to fall by 40%. Hey, guys, when will the construction of companies learn? You know, it's WBHO, or should I say, Wolfson Bailey Homes. 
They went to Australia like all the other bright spots and they got themselves in what you would call um, a roads upgrade project, specifically in Melbourne, Australia. Now, this specific project, construction you will learn, is showing them fire flames like Koshomile in Australia. So, based on the specific project, it's going to take the group earnings. They estimate that the group earnings are going to fall between 30 to 40%. That's of a single project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, why was this particular project in the bigger scheme of things of WBHO such uh, a critical one? So much so that uh, if failures are very much similar to that Lake Charles thing, yes, I saw. No, it's actually not similar to Red Charles. Remember, mm. Lake Charles, uh, Sasso is the uh, owner of the project. WBHO, they are servicing a client. Mm. You know, completely different. So same thing with Group 5 and uh, and, the, and the power project in Ghana. Same thing with Avenge sure. and their power project and their project yes. in Australia as well. Same thing with Basil Reed and their specific project. They specifically, it was a, I think it was a Rhodes project specifically. Yeah. Construction, the nature of construction is that when you look at how the contracts are structured, although your profit margin on a project is uh, relatively much smaller, they cost the, you're exposed to the full cost of the project. And that liability regime, as well as your possibility of making um, losses, are actually quite significant. So if you look at specifically, make the example of WHO, Australia mm. project, it's a road project. Now... The these projects it's even earlier. So this project is it's about a hundred and fifty eight million uh um Australia Aussie dollar project. And you know, the the thing is that they this has been they started reporting on this project about uh the beginning of the year. They started saying uh, that you know what? Uh we're in trouble here. Just I, I just wanted to understand like how big this project is, just from a numbers perspective. Um, WBHO in the 2018 financial year generated 21.9 billion mm. rand in a revenue. Okay. So this project has wiped out the, and their profits expected, their profit from, from the year was 278 million. This project has wiped out everything. Mm. That is just mm. the, this is the, the of where they're looking at. And the thing is that, like, as much, because remember, they thought they, the initial earnings in February was um, between their earnings, if you look at their earnings estimate, it was between 80 and 100% in February. Now, that was for those results, that resulting period. Now, they're saying it's going to further decline. To show you, that's the thing with construction projects. Um, the first loss is always the smallest loss. So when you start hearing bad news saying that we expect to lose, let's say the project is the value is 10 rand. They expect to lose 10 rand. Mm. By and large, you must always assume that it's actually going to be 30 rand. It's the yeah, same thing with that yeah. or the content. So the problem is that when things go wrong in construction projects, so um, this is where actually my day job comes in handy. You start doing your first estimate. Now, everybody starts panicking. They're not panicked yet. So you start investigating, okay, I'm just only going to be a week late. Hi, well, problems start erupting. And you start realizing that, firstly, you didn't price correctly. You didn't mm. time it correctly. 
hey, there's been some mechanical issues. And they start, the earlier you start investigating something going wrong, the lower your losses will be. It usually, but the problem is that people only see these things late. And people are also very optimistic. So you'll speak to your project manager, slash your chief engineer, and they'll be like, you know what, Baba, we're going to fix this now, now. Yeah, but they paid to be optimistic, Snesip. I mean, no, they no, no one's going to talk down. They get very optimistic. <laughs> no they get very optimistic. <laughs> and then deep down, and then you're like, yeah, hey, guys, what? And that's actually what happens. So you can never actually blame. Mm. You can actually never actually ever blame people for what is actually going on because these things, they happen. And Umdu is like, you know, like now, now. Hmm. Hmm. And then the the thing is that what also makes projects, which is one of the reasons why I think one day when I have time, I'm going to say that specifically for projects for construction companies and um, engineering firms who have large exposure to projects, they actually need to report every two months. Mm, mm. Because the six-month reporting cycle, by the time the cycle has happened, because remember, with the reporting cycle, the results we see now are historical information. Yeah, so it's so already happened. Yeah. coming. Mm. Yo, 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 yo. And so, that's because the reporting cycle doesn't allow you to... So the thing is that you... So you think about it this way. The board last looked at these numbers around Gojun. We're now in August, heading on to September. You start making the, the problem start, they start compounding now. That mm, mm. like the historical nature of it. That's why it's like for large construction, if your exposure to a single project is more than 20%, you need to report more quickly. You need to report more readily because what that does is that it forces the board to look and and exercise greater yeah. due diligence and oversight because if you don't, if you don't, you're going to see fire flames. Mm. Let's maybe put aside, I guess, the construction one here for a second, for a second, and and talk about something that you're raising there around uh, uh, the numbers being a historical record of what has already happened. Now, uh, one uh, company that uh, certainly joins, uh, uh, they always say misery has uh, a very good company, but uh, it uh, was joined by many others uh, 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 this year in uh, delaying the announcement of uh, its financial statements, and that's Choppies, uh, which are, uh, operates in uh, eight African countries. They saw their shares plunge. Uh, in September last year, after they uh, delayed uh, the announcement of uh, uh, or publication of their financial results, they've now made a strategic decision to uh, leave South Africa. Well, what do you make of that? And more importantly, uh, tactically, uh, what does the market make of this? And uh, how how was it received? So, Chappies, Jonga, Chappies, uh, they've got different problems. Remember, do you remember Chappies is one of these small retailers? It's listed, dual listed in both Botswana and East Africa. So what happened last year, the reason why the results were delayed is that PwC could not form an audit opinion. And that is due to quite a few material misstatements that they they had discovered regarding to a few transjections to their now former CEO. Mm. Now, the strategic rationale for exiting specifically South Africa is that they only have eight stores here. Their presence in South Africa was actually not that large specifically and you know when they first listed and remember there was a euphoria i think we discussed this in your previous lifetime there was euphoria when they listed because you know it it was also a sign of the retail sector Mm. and stuff like that but what has subsequently happened what has subsequently happened is that they are unable to produce 2018 financial results they're having 
the CEO is currently fighting for his job back, uh, even though he's been accused of fraud and pocketing money, specifically pocketing money for transactions. That's what he's actually accused of. Um, he wants to be reinstated, and um, the board, he blames the non-executive directors for pushing him out. Um, so it's, it's, it's that Choppies is a very good... Choppies actually is reminiscent of this whole Peter Moya CEO versus non-executive directorship. If we have to I knew you were going to go to the boardroom politics. If we have to... <laughs> okay, it's, it's go, reminiscent. There. go there. It's just, it don't, it, the only difference is that this one is fraud, and for me, I'm very curious because when they release the circular, you'll actually go, if you go to the circular, specifically the choppy circular, mm. it gives a summary of some of the, the fact that he was pocketing payments and there was some, there were some shenanigans going on there. But it does say in the circular that they haven't engaged him specifically. This is from their own company records, which he then used that line to go all over the media because he was even on CNBC today. Mm. Saying that no, he's uh, he doesn't understand all of these things, and you know, this is just a misunderstanding, and that there's proper explanation. He actually says that, which is blew my mind. He said that, you know, the reason why they kicked him out is because he wanted to um, go in and install some greater corporate governance into the company, wow. and I was like, wow, wow. But yeah. But I mean, when we look at this, I think, you know, uh, with stories like this, there's often, yes, the uh, sort of boardroom and palace politics. And then alongside that, there's uh, an assessment that the company makes of uh, their competitive environment. Uh, and uh, that competitive environment here in South Africa, fine, dominated by much larger players than uh, choppies with uh, a much broader footprint. But also, uh, I guess, uh, subdued demand conditions, which uh, uh, with all of these governance challenges that they have, they potentially would want to maybe sort of uh, exit stage left and try and sort out their mess before uh, maybe making a re-entry. What do you think about that? So you've got to look at this way. You are very right. Retail in South Africa is all about economies of scale. Mm. You need the balance sheet power. You need that buying power for you to squeeze out your margins. Now, Chubby's, uh, from a percentage, if they're relatively large, but from South Africa, they're like other shop if you compare them to ShopRite and like the spa. So if you compare that, they were never going to hit those points and they were never going to grow. And also look at specifically the retail sector, the results of the retailers. All of them, including ShopRite growth, sales have not been where they need to be including ShopRite. So you've got the big guys uh, seeing fire flames. So what about the little minions like the likes of Choppies? Now you add the fact that because of the, the problem with boardroom politics, it means management does not have the time, does not take the time to focus on the game, which is their business, because they're busy fighting to keep each other, to keep employed. Mm. So it means that from a greater scheme of things, they're like, you know what, let's just bow out because we've got real problems. We've got real problems because the problem with boredom squabbles. Companies take years to sure recover can, from yeah. board, recover. Mm. You you think of the likes of PPC and the whole Kids of Gordon yeah. thing. Besides the, the crappy construction industry, PPC has never recovered post Kids of Gordon. It's, 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 besides the structures, the fact that when you get into boardroom politics, you're taking, and bear in mind, this thing has been going on for just under a year. That means that management hasn't focused when the economy is in a doldrum in over a year, in under a year. 
that's a long, a very, very long trading time. And it just, it just for me, it just makes problematic. And those are your, and those are some of the challenges. So they were never going to, um, I don't know, they were just, it, it just didn't make sense for them to be in South Africa. Even though I will admit that the segment that they were targeting was not necessarily your premium retail mm. or your lower end, but at the same time, economies of scale, unless you have the buying power to, you know, yeah. extract value in that segment you're, for retail, because you know retail, it's all about volume, mm. not necessarily profit margin. You, need to, you squeeze the you increase profit margin through scale and economies of scale and buying power. So if you don't have it, you kind of, and then you also add the fact that, remember there's this case that Mathmark's going to court with um, regarding the retailers and the shopping centers arrangement. Mm, mm. So you've also got, so you've got a structure that is number one, subdued economy. You don't have economies of scale in terms of buying. Thirdly, you've frozen out of lucrative areas because of, how, how the plan anchor tenant agreements, yeah, yeah. So the anchor tenant, mm. so you're you're literally. It, it, um, well, this is one of the things I hate about the African economy is that we it's not conducive to competition or new entrants. Because mm. mm. if you think about it, like besides Woolies, which just targets upper market, how many new food retailers have they been in the past twenty years? You've got MassMart, even with the buying with the balance sheet of Walmart, which is the biggest retailer worldwide, struggling because those anchor agreements don't play games. And we'll have to leave it on that note. And uh, I certainly think uh, you raise a very important issue there about the competitive environment in the world of retail and uh, some of those, uh, I I always call it incestuous relationships between uh, some of the massive retailers, the mega retailers, and uh, of course, uh, many of the uh, property development or or property asset management companies and uh, the kind of arrangements they arrive at which effectively preclude competition in that sector. But uh, we'll have to pick that one up again. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, uh, Snesipo. Uh, that there was uh, Snesipo Maninjwa. She's a, uh, a market uh, commentator and, uh, of course, investment analyst there speaking to us about some of the big news in the marketplace uh, that is uh, moving markets and moving the economy as part of our business wrap.